the Holy Family Chapel Hill podcast, where you will find our weekly sermons, as well as the occasional reflection, conversation, or interview. We are glad you are here. Welcome. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. I speak to you today in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If it seems like only yesterday that Jesus was that little baby in the manger, that Magi from the East traveled along the way to bring gifts to the Christ child, that's because it was only yesterday. We move straight from Jesus the baby in the manger directly to Jesus the man in his 30s, who is about to undergo the most consequential career change of the first century. And this is because scripture actually tells us very, very little about the time between Jesus' birth and the beginning of his ministry, beginning with his baptism. The beginning of the Gospel of Mark, which we just read, is especially abrupt. It gives us no information at all about the birth of Jesus, nor does it give us any theological, poetic language about the Word becoming flesh in the way that the Gospel of John does. No, Mark begins with the story of John the Baptist. Mark begins with an urgent word of how John's message of sin and repentance had drawn people from the whole Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem to come out to the wilderness. Who are we supposed to imagine that these people are? John's message of forgiveness of sins should cue us in. Perhaps these people are notorious sinners, people who recognize that something is not quite right with their life, who recognize that they are broken people in need of God's forgiveness. And so, by going to John to be dipped into the river Jordan, to be ritually washed and cleansed, their goal was to leave behind a sinful life, a life that that holds them back from who God has made them to be, and to start a new path, a life of righteousness, a changed life. But the only problem, the only problem is that righteousness, even righteousness with repentance, is a very, very difficult thing to obtain. Go back through and read the reading from Acts again uh, after you get home, and you will see Paul saying that John's baptism, as good as it is, is a human act. It is an act signifying repentance and hope for the forgiveness of sins when the Messiah comes, but it is, I repeat, a human act, 
a good human act, but a human act nonetheless, subject to all of the uncertainties and imperfections of anything that human beings do. Even when we repent, even when we repent, human perfection is an impossible mountain to ascend on our own. No one in the history of Christian theology, I think, has recognized this better than the 16th century reformer Martin Luther. Luther realized, he recognized, that a God who demands righteousness on our own strength alone must inevitably be a cruel God. God wants me to be good. God wants me to be righteous. But this is an impossible task. And so God must be cruel, toying with us, always disapproving of what we do, standing upon the high mountain of perfection, looking down upon each and every one of us. But our gospel reading for today of the baptism of Jesus tells us a very different story. From among the motley crew, this ragtag crowd of sinners, there emerges a single man who, up until this point, has blended into the gray mass of sinners. And the very first word that we hear from Mark about this man are these. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. I, sh I should make a note to you real quick that the baptism of Jesus, though we may not think about it very often, it may not be in, on par with Christmas, the Christmas story or the Easter story or the crucifixion. The baptism of Jesus is, only, uh, is, is one of the only events in the Gospels that is told by all four Gospel writers. It's as if the Gospel writers are grabbing your attention, telling you, don't miss out on this. Something profound and extremely comforting is being conveyed here. It's this, almost as if they are calling out across time, don't miss this. It is important. Jesus went down to be baptized. For the first Christians, the fact that Jesus was baptized was a little bit embarrassing, actually. For centuries, the early Christians had labored. They had spilled ink and they had spilled blood to say that Jesus is the divine Son of God, the Word made flesh, the Lamb of God without blemish, sinless. And yet, remember, John's baptism is a baptism for the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. If Jesus is God incarnate, if he is the Son of God, why would he need to be baptized? Why would he need to repent? In Matthew's version of the same story, John the Baptist himself recognizes the kind of delicious irony of this situation. He asked Jesus, why are you coming to be baptized by me? I should ask you to baptize me. I, John, not you, Jesus, should be the one to repent. And yet Jesus does submit himself to John's baptism. He does in some way repent, even though he has nothing 
to repent of. And so he is plunged into the waters of the Jordan. Many of you know that I am from East Texas, a fact that I am very, very proud of. Yay, Texas. In Texas, we don't really have rivers. I mean, we do have rivers, but they're kind of like glorified mud pits that people love to drive their ATVs and all-wheel drive trucks through. Um, These rivers are not pinnacles. In order to get to them, you have to go down, 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 steep, steep banks. It is not an idyllic Colorado stream with trout leaping on the precipice of a ski resort. And so, too, the Jordan River is not this way. The water is murky, messy, muddy, and dirty. Where is Jesus to be found in today's gospel story? Jesus is found with his people. He is found with his people in the murky, muddy water of our day-to-day human life. He is found with the people of Israel who know that there is something deeply not right with themselves, who have come to repent. Friends, Jesus does not look down upon us, wallowing in the muck and mire of our sinful lives, saying, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Jesus gets into the water with us, into the mess of our sinful human lives. In the water, God stands shoulder to shoulder, side by side, with sinners. He identifies himself as a sinner with you and me. He becomes our repentance, even though he has nothing to repent of. This is good for news. This is good news for you today, because if you are hurting, if you are secretly struggling with sin, if you are grieving, if you feel like the demands of everyday life are just too much to bear, if you're lonely, if you feel inadequate, if you feel like you can't measure up to what people expect of you, if there's a personal failure in your life that you simply cannot get over. The place where we find God today is not from on high, looking down upon us with complete disapproval. The place where we find God today is in the murky waters of life, of pain, of disappointment, of grief, sin, and failure. Why would God possibly do this? to himself. Jesus tells John in Matthew's story that he must be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. That's a really strange thing to say. What does it mean? Well, think of it this way. In the biblical imagination, usually in the Bible, dirty things make other things dirty. Murky waters make people dirty when they go through them. Usually, it is unrighteous things that make other things unrighteous. That is how the world works, right? One bad apple spoils the bunch. But where Jesus goes, where the Son of God goes, things work very, very differently. Jesus is the truly clean one, identifying with 
the unclean sinners. Jesus is the Holy One, identifying with the unholy. Jesus is the Righteous One who makes the unrighteous righteous. Our sinfulness becomes His own, and His righteousness becomes ours as He is plunged into the muddy waters of the Jordan. This is good news. This is good news indeed because by submerging into the murky waters of the Jordan, Jesus has transformed the waters of our baptism, the baptism of those who follow him and who come after him. Because he is baptized in a baptism like ours, we may be baptized in a baptism like his, a baptism in which the heavens are torn open, in which the Holy Spirit descends upon us like a dove and pours out the love of God into our hearts. And we are able to become like Jesus in every way, forgiven, justified before God, perfectly free to be who God has made us to be. If you have been baptized into his name, the Holy Spirit has come down upon you too. As Jesus comes up from the waters of baptism, the Father looks down upon him and addresses him, saying these words, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And when we come out of the waters of our baptism, God says the exact same thing to each and every one of us. You are my son, you are my daughter. The beloved, in you I am well pleased. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about the Church of the Holy Family at holyfamilychapelhill.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Peace be with you.